Divisional round mailbag. We've got coach news as well. The Browns firing their offensive coaching staff. And are we one step closer to Bill Belichick and the Atlanta Falcons draft QBs, draft misses, late round draft, tons of questions. Cowboys need a a change up. All that more coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Appreciate all the everydayers out there. Make sure you're subscribed up. Hit the notification bell. Hit the thumbs up on YouTube, and you can find us everywhere you find your podcast. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code Locked On to get $20 off your order. That is jacemedical.com for $20 off your order. Okay, Matt, uh, we are going to start with a little bit of news before we get into the questions. And uh, a little bit of a surprising and a little bit of a late happening. I mean, we're still the week after a playoff loss, but uh, usually these things happen very quickly. And so sounds like some internal discussions and the Browns are going to make a change up and it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball firing, according to Josina Anderson here on Wednesday morning, firing their entire offensive staff, essentially offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt, running backs, coach Stump Mitchell, tight ends, coach TC McCartney. And I assume everybody on down from there uh, is going to be at least at the at, or at best interviewing for their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I imagine uh, a new offensive coordinator is going to want to bring in his own people. So uh, interesting there that the Browns are, you, you can't change quarterbacks really at this point if you're the Browns. So what can you do to help the offense? I guess you got to go to the offensive coordinator because the head coach isn't firing himself. Yeah. One, one name I didn't see and I'd be shocked is Bill Callahan. He's considered one of the best offensive line coaches in a really long time. And frankly, I'd give him any amount of money he wanted to just be my own line coach. But I don't know about this whole move. I mean, I'm not in the building, so maybe there's, strife or whatever or they don't think that or they're not as competent as everyone wants but it wasn't like it was a bad offense this year they lost Nick Chubb in week two who was going to be the foundation of the whole offense they've gone through like five offensive tackles (laughs) and four quarterbacks I mean I can't stress that enough I mean they've four starting quarterbacks five maybe even seen the field but my first thoughts when I when I heard this was is it something about Watson? You know, do they just feel like they're not developing or catering to Watson well enough? I mean, he's going to be the starter and Flacco look better. Is it, boy, we can't fire Watson. So we're going to fire you guys. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I can't imagine they're going to stray too far from, you know, a scheme that the head coach came from that got yeah. him hired in the first place. So is it scheme related? Are they going to change the scheme completely and go different direction, different verbiage and everything? Uh, So that's a fascinating one. And and rarely we were talking about coach of the year coming out of right. Coming out of right. 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 He still might win it. They did. He might win it and you fire your staff. That would be 
bizarre. I, I can't imagine, I can't remember a time that has ever happened. True. However, I mean, and I lived this, you know, in my life to the T, they fire a lot of coaches there. <laughs> There's a, you don't last very long in the Browns, you know, you know, front office or coaching staff. They're, they have quite the history. It, it will put a pin in that idea because uh, I had a similar thought when it came to the Dallas Cowboys. And, and what, what's okay. I, I don't remember who said it, but, you know, what's the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting mm-hmm. different results. And I think, uh, you know, owners are, are wired in a certain way where they're going to um, – see a problem and make a change to fix that problem or change that, you know, that, that thing. And, and, um, and I think that's what we're seeing where it's like, okay, you look at everything. Well, we can't change quarterback. We're not changing the head coaches. The defensive side of the ball definitely right. get touch. So what do you do? Offensive coordinator. It's the only logical next step to make a big change on the offensive side yeah. of the ball. Or you just run it back and or stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. New training staff, maybe. I don't know. Um, So Bill Belichick interviewed with the Falcons on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Correct? Yes. And we were sitting here on Wednesday, and Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reports that Falcons defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen, who was originally blocked from interviewing for Jacksonville's coordinator job, is now able to speak with teams per source. Multiple clubs want to speak with him, including the Jaguars. Do you find it curious that less than 24 hours after meeting with Bill Belichick, that now the holdover staff is allowed to leave from the Atlanta Falcons, Matt? I think it's quite the omen. I think it's quite the inkling that we might be getting news in the next 24 hours. Bill's not an easy guy to say. So if you're an owner and you have a coaching vacancy, it's a heck of a lot easier to get a deal done, the contract, the write-up, the agreement with – Gannon in Arizona a year ago. I mean, like a, a coordinator that's getting his first gig. When it's a Mount Rushmore coach, he's going to fine-tune the verbiage, the dollars, the responsibilities. So they may have a handshake agreement in place already. You know, we just need to cross all the T's and all that type of thing. And frankly, I've kind of thought he's going to end up in Atlanta now for the last month or so. So I, I don't have any – I don't know the, the scoop. I'm not, you know, Adam Schefter, but I bet that happens. Just yeah, just kind of putting things together here with that one, and uh, it seems like a good match. Um, I, I I think it's a great hire for the Atlanta Falcons. They're pretty yeah. close. You figure out quarterback. You do have a top ten pick to go. You know whatever direction you want up down. Pick a player there. Pick a quarterback. Pick a non quarterback. Pick a guard. You know it, it's, this is Bill Belichick after all. Um, yeah. and, and a place where you are in a spot where you should give Bill all the power he wants. And of course, if you hire Bill Belichick, who's gonna oversee the defense he's going to bring in his own guys so th- this no, the, no. the dots we're connecting here are becoming pretty they're pretty large dots i would say that even though we haven't heard reports officially that belichick is going to the falcons yeah yeah no you you, you mentioned that before going on the air that that I, I didn't even catch that the uh the coaches were granted permission that's a great catch and it's the writing's kind of on the wall i would imagine a question here from izaz and he's a, a frequent tweeter into the program he has this question of us at williamson nfl at bd peacock those are the the ats to hit us at if you ever want to get involved in a mailbag on twitter you can drop a question in the youtube comments as well he says if you two are executives with the dallas cowboys would you rather extend Dak and cd and trade micah parsons for a boatload of picks they can do all three 
then you sacrifice a lot more. Uh, what do you think there with the plan from Izos for the Dallas Cowboys? You keep the offense intact and you utilize your best trade chip instead of paying Micah Parsons what he's going to cost, then you utilize all those picks to bolster the rest of the roster. What do you think? It's a great conversation, and I haven't studied it. I mean, I'm sure you could do keep all three and manipulate the books and move things around, and salary cap is you know, a myth, uh, that type of thing. But if you have to pick, I just know I'm not moving on from Parsons. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's backwards opposite of what I would do. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I had a feeling I, we'd be in lockstep and we didn't, you know, talk about this beforehand because I was interested to hear what you had to say. First of all, you keep Parsons, period, done, pay him. Period, whatever. no matter what. Highest paid defensive player in the league, whatever, you know. And then next, I would pay CD and go shopping for a quarterback. If that's what I needed to do, and I could only keep yeah. two or three, I think that's the order: Parsons, CD, then Dak. And it kind of goes back to what yeah. we just talked about with the Browns: is how many times do you finish the season the same way before you you change something? And maybe it's head coach, maybe it's offense coordinator, which they've already done the OC thing, so there's no more OC stuff. It's McCarthy or Dak at this point to me. Yeah, this is a much longer conversation and maybe one once the playoffs ends, but we could do a whole con- a whole uh, Dak Prescott podcast, to be honest with you. Because I think we should, yeah. It'd be fine with me, too. And I haven't read it yet, but just yesterday, ESPN Analytics put out their most valuable players of 2023 regular season, and Dak was number one. Now, I don't think he's the most valuable player in the league, but he mm-hmm. was in MVP conversation at one point. I think he gets way too much blame for this guy's a choker. This guy's a playoff loser. I think he's starting to get lumped in and I'm not trying to, you know, offend these guys, but the Kirk cousins Tua's, you know, not a locomotive for the organization. He's kind of along for the ride, but a little bit better than that. I think he's better than those guys. I mean, he the 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 real football nerds the real tape nerds think he's like a Tate Manning like processor at the line of scrimmage and mentally he never gets credit for that stuff he's not going to be Josh Allen he's not going to be Mahomes but you know every year we talk about Mike Sando's QB tiers I think he's a tier two guy and my rules are if you're a tier one or two tier or tier two guy we're rolling together man you know Okay, uh, more on this because this is fascinating. Yeah, let's say this is a whole conversation. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more on this, and and I think we do need to do some, you know, season-ending how to fix blank teams, and we've done that in the past after teams mm-hmm. are eliminated. Usually, we wait until the divisional round just because there's so many teams you can't fit them all into a week. Um, but the Dallas Cowboys are are a really good one, and, and where they're at right now. So, uh, one more note on the Dallas Cowboys, where they're at, if they should clean house, if not. I want to talk about some draft questions we have in the hopper as well. Should you draft and sit quarterbacks, play them right away? And how the heck did everyone miss on late round guys like Puka Nakua coming up? Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you yeah it starts small and it becomes big snags that in just stays there it's so important to let that out especially to someone who's unbiased on your life so today uh let's talk about some let's think about some things that that bother you that might have started small that that might end big that might have started big and, and ended 
and, and they're still huge for you, whether it's personal life, marriage, uh, whether it's job related. Matt, you and I talked about some podcast stuff before we got going. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah you know, a little frustrating. And so some frustrations and um, you can't let that nag at you. Uh, and it, it can be your, your favorite sports team. It could be your favorite football team. I know there's some fans that, that you talk to every day about the Pittsburgh Steelers, Matt, that might need to go to therapy about it. Uh, it sounds I have to interrupt you. I, I apologize <laughs> because I, I just did my first locked on dynasty with Kate and Marcus. And we had this exact same conversation with this exact same read and Marcus coincidentally is stressing a whole lot about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott that we were just oh, talking about. There, so you there you go. You know, you might, might need, need therapy about it. And it's obviously some other very <laughs> more important things in your life. And therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems and are than our favorite sports teams. Right. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on to get 10 percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash lockdown. Today's episode of PW is also brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. It is daily fantasy made easy at Prize Picks. How easy? All you do is you pick two to six players and you're playing against the numbers. You are playing against those projections at Prize Picks. Tons of projections on tons of sports, including those NFL playoff games. You pick more or less than the stat projections on two to six players and watch the winnings roll in. You can turn 10 bucks into 250 bucks. We're talking winning up to 25 times your money if you hit all six player uh, more than less than on their stat projections. You can even do combo projections between NFL and NBA games. For example, it's a combo with LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. And all you got to do is go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Download the app or go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Just to finish up this this smaller version of the Dallas Cowboys conversation, and we're going to have to do an entire podcast on, on the Dallas Cowboys and what needs to be fixed there, if anything needs to be fixed there with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but it's a great point you brought up about Dak Prescott. And if you just kind of combine some of the things we've been talking about on today's show and the the Dallas Cowboys, let's say they, they're, they're like, all right, well, we're, we're it's been kind of the same result. We're going to move on from Dak Prescott. Don't you think the Atlanta Falcons would say, please, can I please get a Dak Prescott at quarterback for my football team and go dominate this division, right? And so you think when you have it and you have a second-tier quarterback, you're like, man, I wish we had a a tier one quarterback. And uh, in my head right now, I'm envisioning, and this is aging me as far as video games go out there, but the the old heads would remember playing uh, Donkey Kong in the arcade, right? And you play Donkey Kong. And you got the little guy and he's climbing up the ladders, right? You got Dak Prescott and he gets up to the to the rung just before the top tier. And he's going to save Donkey Kong at the top. He's climbing up the ladder and he gets hit with the barrel and falls back down. That's kind of like what's going on with Dak Prescott. He's not quite really is. up, but he's very close, right? Meanwhile, half the teams in the league can't get off the bottom rung and he can't climb one ladder up. So <laughs> right. uh, it's, it, it's really a fascinating conversation because it's a have and have not. And when you have a pretty good quarterback, you still want more. And when you don't have a good quarterback at all, you realize how good a team like the Dallas Cowboys has it. So I wanted to, I, I referenced that ESPN article that came out yesterday and their logic for putting him number one is the most valuable guy in the whole league this year was he was second in QBR second in expected points added, first in points above average. 
He led the league in completion percentage over expectation, despite having the league's third highest receiver drop rate. So he his completion percentage was great, even though his guys are dropping balls left and right. And I couldn't help myself. You mentioned the Falcons. How good would the Falcons or Steelers be with Dak Prescott for 18 games this year? Like 13 and four, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no and, and so that's the, the question was about the three players. But if I if I'm Jerry Jones and I put my Jerry Jones hat on, I'm going to McCarthy before I even mess with any of those players. So absolutely. And I'm probably yeah. doing everything possible to keep all three. And the yes. more I think it through, I'm not I'm not trading Dak for the eighth pick overall to Atlanta and draft in pinnocks and hopes it goes better because it probably won't right it would have to be a much bigger thing where you're like okay well let's go let's then let's sign and you're still going to be paying a lot of money if you sign kirk cousins but you would go okay let's go here and then see if we can hit on another dak late round quarterback or you know second third round quarterback and use that pick we just got for dak to help out our football team to help out our quarterback and we wouldn't drop much at quarterback you know we go to the you know from the middle or the top of the tier two to the bottom of tier two or something like that so that would maybe be the thought or maybe they're like okay we're gonna use our pick and the pick we get for Dak and we're going up in the top three to get a quarterback we're really shaking this thing up I could see that because you get cheaper at the same time and you hope you get a star uh but I'd probably go to Mike McCarthy and make that change before I mess with any of the rest of it so I need to ask you this. You kind of touched on it, so I think I know your answer. But hypothetically, if it was Dallas that made the trade, the draft day trade with Carolina last year, and they were owned the first overall pick in this draft, I think then you really entertain offers for Dak then. Just for finances. You get fifty million off the books or whatever, and you get no doubt. Eight and years I feel younger, like, ten years younger. You know, I feel the same way about the the Bears too. And Me too. Dak's had a ton of success, whereas you know Justin Fields has had very little success in the NFL. And we did get some Bears fans that came at us sideways, and they they thought we didn't give Justin Fields enough credit. And it's just one hundred percent Luke Getzey in the offense there. But um, you know, we've already seen multiple coaches, and and we you know it's, haven't seen enough from Justin Fields, so it's different reason, but it's it's the same result. If I had. Any team that doesn't have a tier one quarterback, I'm taking the pick at one and drafting that quarterback. And, you know, especially if I can get something for my current quarterback mm-hmm. and get a lot cheaper, it's 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 an easy decision for me. And this is hindsight, but I wouldn't have done it as necessarily last year because I undervalued Stroud, although he was my number one quarterback and I wanted nothing to do with Bryce Young, where this year it looks better, you know. Yep. Um, speaking of quarterbacks. Dave has a question. Will Jordan Love be an argument for teams to draft and sit quarterbacks to learn behind a starter for a year or two? Or will teams not have the patience for that? Too much short-term pressure on coaches and GMs to potentially do that. Um, You know, what's funny is Darren Rodgers before him was the example that everyone used. And it's like, oh, well, we're not in that era anymore. And quarterbacks are more prepared. And the, the, um, the finances of the league now has changed to where you can't sit a guy for three years because then you have to make a decision and, and fifth year options and pay a guy before you know. And we've seen that with Daniel Jones. So that's kind of been the argument against sitting quarterbacks. And we don't nearly see as much sitting as we used to. It used to be that rookies just didn't play. Almost didn't. Oh, I mean, that's, when, when I was started doing this professionally, I remember Bengals fans losing their mind. We still are trotting out John Kitna, even though we used the first overall pick on Carson Palmer. And that was just the norm back then, though. I mean, and frankly, I think it's better for the player. Every player is different, of course. But I do think that, back to this question, there's immense value in that. Like, 
maybe the Rams should draft one right now with no intention of him ever seeing the field next year. But you know Stafford's not going to play forever. Pat Mahomes did this, by the way, folks. I mean, he only played the Week 18 or 17 game because it didn't matter. He didn't play a snap when Alex Smith was there, and it sure treated him well. Would his career be as glorious if he got thrown in Week 1? And that was a playoff team that drafted him. So the answer to the question is both. I mean, if you're a human being with a family and I have to win this year, I can't draft a quarterback when I have uh, Dak. (laughs) Dak's a great example. You know, sitting there in his prime. I can't do that because I'm going to get fired. I have to draft a guard. I have to draft a tight end, whatever. But if you really do have job security, if it's the Steeler model or, you know, the Packer model where they don't just shuffle through people left and right, I always think you should take one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, it's funny because when you we bring it back to the Bears again, I think if you're Eberflus, you have to succeed the fastest, which is getting the most talent around the guy that you've already tried to develop. And and because and, it's so rare to have that C.J. Stroud rookie season from a guy. And so I, mm-hmm. that, I, that, I can definitely see them going – in that direction because you can't do another draft the quarterback fire the head coach again because it's just you know what what are you doing if you're that organization you know and they still might do that but with uh you know with jordan love um he sat because he had a hall of famer in front of him so who's in front of you is a big question is there a good mentor uh patrick mahomes had alex smith that's a nice mentor in a caliber team if you're a bad team and you have a a complete scrub of a backup guy anyway like why would you trot that guy out there and the the more you played in college it's it's sort of counterintuitive too we saw this was trey lance in the 49ers trey lance needed to play but they sat him that was the plan they had jimmy garoppolo and they had a playoff team and then trey lance had got one ankle injury and there you go end of opportunity it's over it because and he needed the thing he needed the most was reps and the he needed to be able to play, but Jordan Love played a lot. So it actually helps a quarterback that played a lot to sit because they don't need the reps as much as they need to learn the offense that they're going to be in. But if a guy didn't play a lot in college, he needs to play. And does he get ruined by playing because he needs the reps? So it all comes back to draft a guy who's already played a lot of college football to probably make all the decisions a lot easier. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, Favre wasn't considered this wonderful mentor for Rodgers. Rodgers wasn't happy they drafted Love. Right. Montana wasn't happy at all when Steve Young showed up. But those guys are all-time greats. You can't tell me Young, Love, Rodgers didn't absorb so much from their guy ahead of them, even if they're not having picnics together after practice. You know, they don't have to be buddies. But if I'm in that room with them in the practice field with them, I'm getting better. I mean, Garoppolo with Brady. I mean, just come on. If I can sit in the quarterback room with Tom Brady. Stability. And then you sit there and you have the same system and the same, mostly the same coaching staffs in all those situations. And you learn and, uh, and, and you're more ready to go when it is time to play. Yeah. I mean, like Seattle should draft a quarterback. Maybe Detroit should draft a quarterback. They kind of did with hooker at least. So they, they Mm kind of thought this through, you know, like I, I get Kansas City doesn't, but I don't know if, if you've been the guy that right. they end up applying to because I think Goff's better. And by the time Goff's mm-hmm. done, I realize Hooker's not the replacement anyway. Sure, um, but yeah, it's you know it, it's a better situation there for sure. Yeah, but like it if Seattle or the Rams were to use a first round pick on a quarterback, I'd be like, good move. You know, yeah. if he doesn't play a snap this year, but it's so hard. You, you just sit Bryce Young. You just drafted him number one overall, and there's nobody Stay. better anyway. 
So it, it just right. You, you kind of screwed either way there. Um, I don't think you sit them just to sit them, but <laughs> it more applies to good teams. Yes, yes. And so, how about this? Have a good team first, and then plug a quarterback. <laughs> right. There you go. Right. Um, why are why do team why do people miss on the late round stars that come out of nowhere like Puka? Some of the draft questions as well coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jace Medical and the Jace Case. And uh, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but let's just talk for a minute about preparing for real life. And according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin. And so the Jace Case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, UTIs, uh, skin infections, respiratory infections, 50 plus ailments that these medications can help with. So if you have specific needs, you can uh, you can utilize those with your Jace case as well. Um, and you're protected for if you're traveling with your family and you know you have specific needs and you don't want to be caught without cell phone service and you know you're not going to have access to medication. Supply chain issues, as mentioned with you know the, uh, the amoxicillin there or uh, natural disasters. We've been through pandemics, right? So Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician uh, visit. It's reviewed by a board-certified physician. Your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost, and you'll know you will be prepared. So go to jacemedical.com and utilize our code locked on to get $20 off your Jace case. Again, go to jacemedical.com, code locked on for $20 off your order. Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, medical.com. How did everyone miss on Tua, Matt? We've okay. got, um, let's go to the question, the official question here, if I can even find it anymore. We've got a ton of great questions here. Uh, this is from Sir Madramissimo. He says, curious from Matt, how scouts do reviews post-draft and sit and wonder how the hell did we miss on a player so badly? Puka, for example, and how to avoid such misses in the future? Well, I think any good scout would goes back on their evaluations and be like, man, did I, do I have a tendency of valuing athleticism over production too much amongst my tight ends? Or do I not give small school guys enough credit? Or am I too easy on them? Or uh, you're crazy if you don't scout the scout. And frankly, GM should do that. They should scout their scouting staff and be like, he's got a hole in his game here. He's got a hole in his game here. Self-scouting is so important, and I think yeah. there's a lot of ego that it's like, well, I didn't screw this up. I got, Can I tell a quick story here? So I did, a, I did a scouting school, and, and I'm not going to name any names, but I did a scouting school, and there was a guy who was a, um, you know, a high-ranking you know, you know, GM uh, personnel guy for a long time in the NFL that was running this, this scouting school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really cool. I learned a lot of stuff, and there's a, a few different people that that worked in the league that were helping out with this, and and uh, you know this, this long course on scouting, and um, and I learned a lot, and it was super fun. But but one of the guys, and the main guy that was kind of in charge of of it, uh, I asked him a question one time. We had sort of a you know a Q and A thing, and we're talking, and I was like, hey, well, you know, what was your what was your biggest miss in, in your draft evaluations, and, and you know, what did you learn from it? And he said. Uh, he's like, oh, I've never missed on an evaluation. And, you know, I was kind of chuckled. And he was like, okay. And, you know, waiting for the real answer. That was his real answer. Worked Coach in the league, just screwed worked, it up. Worked in the league for 20 years. Never missed, ever. Never, never screwed anything up. Uh, and, and so I think you wrote Coach's best of all. Yeah. And that's both true. I mean, if I'm a coach that gets handed a bad player and I need to turn him into a, my starting running back and 
he can't read or write or you know, whatever. It's not well, going to work. Hard to miss when you say, here's my evaluation. He's 6'4", 250, and led his conference in tackles. Great evaluation. <laughs> so we all miss, and frankly, it, it goes without saying, you're drafting young men. It was even more so in recruiting. I mean, some of these guys aren't even done with like puberty. Like Their bodies are changing. Their outlook on life is changing. Their situation, their finances is changing. The city they live in is changing. So there's a lot of room for error. No one's going to hit them all. And frankly, these players have power to get better or to put it in neutral and get worse. But real quick on Puka, I just heard this the other day because he's been in the news a lot, that his coach at BYU used to be on staff at, what is it, Eastern Washington, wherever Cup went, wherever Cooper Cup went. You know, so Cooper Cup calls his old buddy up, you know, McVay calls his old buddy up and says, boy, he reminds me of Cup, blah, 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 blah. And with all respect to Puka, who's tremendous and a great story, no way do you be- do I believe that he sets rookie records if hypothetically the Panthers draft him in the third round, throw him in the rookie. You know, instead of Mingo, they took you know Nakua, threw right. him right in the mix. If we would be having this conversation about him, if you put Mingo in L.A. and you put Puka in Carolina, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be exact replications of their opposite seasons, but. Mingo would have looked a lot better, and Puka would have looked a lot worse. Yes, and to take it a step further, McVeigh isn't looking for the 4-2 guy. He wants a big, blocking, powerful, after-the-catch cup replacement type. You know, not everyone wants that style receiver. Right, and so when you're scouting a player like that, and look, okay, go look for the next Puka. You're going to have a whole – you're going to have a – you're going to have 10 years of misses, and then you're going to find a guy, right? Because it's – it's not a um, it's not a prototype that hits a lot, which is why he went where they went. But you know, you can't you you can't. It's hard. The hardest thing to scout is the brain, and and um, when you watch Puka in the Mountain West or what you know, was Mountain West Conference is that where BYU plays? Well, I should know, but that's so much so much has changed so much. You know, in the line that's yeah. um, but you know, Puka, you see him, and you're like, okay, well, he's barely getting open now. Is he going to get open against NFL guys, right? And so that's kind of the Probably thought. Not. And then you realize, well, what he did to win still wins in the NFL. And and I, I this is my this is where I've missed a lot in my draft evaluations too. And this is very true for wide receivers. It's very true for like pass rushers uh, and true for positions like running back. It is real easy to out athlete people and and destroy your competition, especially in the high school level, and then still oh, yeah. in the college game. And if you are a running back, you get to the NFL, you're just not going to run around guys anymore. So you better no. be efficient and have vision and know where the hole is and hit it quick and be able to run through arm tackles, right? Uh, and you better be, if you're a wide receiver, better be able to win dirty, win through contact, be tough, be able to take hits, um, be a technician with your routes, make it so your wide receiver, or your quarterback and your offensive coach can trust you. And that's more important than, you know, how fast your long speed is yeah. can you get out of a break and with pass rushers right you're not going to just run around offensive tackles all day and collect sacks like you might be able to do because you're a better athlete in college you got to be able to be win with technique you've got to be able to beat a guy who gets his hands on you and have counter moves and and so that's why it takes positions like uh pass rusher and tight end a while because they have to learn yeah. a lot of nuance and they have to learn a lot of technique and, you know, tight ends is a, a position where the big time athletes that are drafted early don't always win out because there's a mentality that has to be involved. You have to be able to run and block and, and do all the things I talked about at wide receiver and your quarterbacks have to be able to trust you. So 
add that to your evaluations. It makes your evaluations a lot more difficult, but I think that's why you see the guys who are less athletic, you know, that don't put on shows at the time uh, at the combine hit in later rounds because they have the mindset that they are going to beat you in any way they can. They work at it and Mm -hmm. you can trust that that player is going to do everything they can to win each rep. Yeah, let's wrap this up. There's tons of examples, but one that just came to mind while you were talking was Vic Beasley. I mean, he comes out of Clemson, is explodes off the snap, great yep. combine guy, but he's a one-trick pony. He was just a speed rusher to the outside. He had no speed to power. He couldn't go through guys. He didn't have counters. And soon everyone in the league knew it and was like, I'm just going to push him up the field. You know, <laughs> Off you go. And you see it all the time with the guys who run four threes at wide receiver. And yeah, uh, Coleman from, from Baylor, remember? And, oh, you know, yeah, Corey Coleman. He, yeah, it's, it's, you see that Ran all the two routes or something. Right. Right. And so uh, what's funny is combine athleticism translates better to the big guys like offensive linemen than it does. Even like guards and centers. I want them yeah. to have good shuttles. <laughs> you don't think that. right? Receivers because you have to be able to win dirty. So, yeah, when you're watching that college tape, find the guys who can win dirty at especially those positions where you think athleticism is king. And that's where you find your nuggets, I think. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right. Thanks for all the questions. Apologies to the ones we did not get to. Of course, Matt and I will be back tomorrow. We've got a special guest tomorrow, Aaron Schatz. He is the guru of DVOA. You probably hear a lot about DVOA, value over average stats. What does it mean? What is it? And how do these divisional teams stack up in DVOA? The godfather of analytics. There we go. (laughs) Tomorrow's episode. And, of course, on Friday, we'll make picks for all the divisional round games. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.